Don't start laughing for the for the show even gets started. All right, coming up. First, we thought we were almost out of the MLB stuff, but we're not. We got to congratulate the Rangers. We're going to get into some MLB there. We're going to talk about the latest Cubs news. There was some big news that came out this week. We're going to jump into the NFL. We got some Week Nine takeaways. <laughs> going to get into these Week Ten matchups. Go over some fantasy pops and flops. I'm going to do a section on the NBA in-season tournament which a lot of people don't even know what it is or that it's taking place so i read a little bit on that want to talk about that for the nba and then we got a new segment this week it's going to be caden's chicago sports corner that's what we're going to call it for now i don't know if the name's going to stick he's dying to talk about the blackhawks and the bulls and a lot of irrelevant chicago teams for the leagues and their positions this year as he hey don't even start with that thing don't start playing that retro bowl the whole time we're live on a podcast i'm gonna throw that computer right into the wall all right i'm not Let's my not computer really glitched out and i also want to talk about some of the things we got coming so in december we're gonna plan and schedule a pod dedicated to the greatest hit debate the greatest hitter the greatest Wait, hitter debate month? in december we're gonna do one of the pods and it's gonna be dedicated to the greatest hitter of all time debate we're gonna have uncle clint we're going to have myself, we're going to have Grandpa Cole, we're going to have Peppy, and we'll bring you in, even though you don't really have all that historical knowledge. Cody Bellinger. You, you probably think the greatest hitter of all time is like some guy that had a good year last you know, last year or something like that. So we're going to get into that. I'm also going to do a special interview with one of my buddies that's an athletic director at a high school. We're going to talk about youth sports and the future of high school sports and things like that. So those are just a couple of fun things coming up next month. So it's the sports life. We're talking sports. Let's go. All right, so we're going to lead off today with the Rangers. And, you know, we were we were on last time, Caden and I, it was the what ended up being the final game of the World Series. It was close when we were on the pod live. Actually, uh, Gallon was throwing a no-hitter into the sixth, and then uh, Seager kind of got a, a lucky off end of the bad hit, and that kind of got them rolling. That got them their first run, and then they, they opened it up in the top of the ninth and won it. But what a cool story for the Rangers, uh, their first-ever World Series some cool things about them and notes on their team from this year. One is that Corey Seager won his second World Series MVP. He's only the fourth player ever to do that. And listen to his company. He's got uh, Sandy Koufax, Reggie Jackson, and Bob Gibson joining him. So Two pitchers. Yeah, and you want to talk about some stellar pitching. If you ever get a chance, look up some of Bob Gibson's numbers when he was in his prime. That dude was awesome. Um, another thing. Obviously, the Rangers' first ever World Series. They're they were eleven and zero on the road, on that in their postseason run. They're eleven and zero on the road. So pretty amazing run for them. Uh, another thing, there's only five teams in the MLB that have not won a World Series now in the history: Colorado Rockies, San Diego Padres, Seattle Mariners, Tampa Bay Rays, and the Milwaukee Brewers. Those are the only five teams. And the last one I mentioned, it looks like it might be a little bit longer for them after something that took place uh, with the Cubs here this week. We'll get into that later. That was the, the Milwaukee Brewers. So we got some good info there. A couple other notes. Bochi, this was his this is his fourth World Series ring in, since 2010. So this dude, and he took some time off there. 
He, he wasn't even managing all those years. So Bochy Did has... Did he win the, the other three with the, all with the Giants? I think so. It was when they went on that run where they every won other every, year, every, every, other, year. every other year. And like, I think it was like 10, 12, 14, or 12, 14, 16. Uh, it, wasn't, it wouldn't have been 16, but right. it may have been 10, 12, 14, 10, 12, 14. Something like that. So he's, I mean, obviously, um, people don't understand that baseball managers truly make a difference. I can't tell you the number of wins. I can't, I, I, I can't. Equal it to that. It's a lot easier now that's made dinner and play though. It's taking a lot of strategical managing out of the game now that there's a DH on both sides of the ball. You don't have to pinch hit for the pitcher, you don't have to do double switches as much anymore. It's it's made made managing easier by, by going to DH. Right, but analytics, you started to see analytics disappear a little bit, right? Analytics tell you not to bunt. Well what was happening? When you got down to it in this postseason, you started seeing guys stealing bases. You started seeing guys bunting. You started seeing small ball. Teams were begging for a run here and there. I, I always yell that if you got guys on first and second less than two outs, you should be bunting. You should be bunting. You should be bunting. You should be bunting. That's the way they taught us how to play the game back when we were kids. And they just everybody stands up there and swings for the fences now. To, to, to me, I don't even care if you're number three or four hitters up there. If you got guys on first and second with no outs, I would rather have them guys punch somebody over than get a hit, a strikeout, or ground into a double play or something of that nature. I, I, I've been a fan of the bunt for a long, long time. It, yeah, but the question is, do they know how to bunt? Well, I, if you're a major league baseball point. player, you should know how to bunt the baseball. I mean, Caden makes a good point. They're not teaching it. And there's very few players that are good at it anymore. And, you know, the, the game's changed. And But like I said, if you were watching these games, when it came down to it, you started seeing more and more of all ball. I liked it. That's what we watched growing up. And I think that they said, put these analytics aside and let's try to get this run and win this game. And I think probably the two best managers in each league this year made it to the World Series. I mean, that, that, that guy from Arizona, even though he came up short, he was he did a tremendous job with that team. I agree. That, that guy did a great job. I agree. A, a note on Arizona, too, is that, that uh, Marte, he ended up with a 20-game postseason hit streak that ended in that final game uh, where his hit streak ended. And I think he got walked three times in that final game. So he still has an on-base streak going, that Marte. But, again, with the Diamondbacks did not have a good series there. They didn't have a lot of things to uh, to celebrate with that Rangers series. But I'll tell you, Marte, that dude had a special postseason. A 20-game postseason hit streak is awesome. Uh, I'll mention, I can't go through that that World Series and that postseason without mentioning Evaldi. Evaldi, who went 5-0 and with a 2.95 ERA. Some, sometimes the, the uh, outings looked easy for him, and other times... Not so easy, and he still grinded through like that last game. The guy was just grinding out innings, and he got the job done. Eo Baldi, even when he was with like Boston and them other teams, there he's always been a big time pitcher. That guy knows how to knuckle down and and, and get the job done in, in big situations. Last thing I'll mention about the Rangers and their World Series, and it was something that we saw going on with the Cubs when they got in their hot streak was they started to develop that bullpen system. And as soon as the Cubs lost their bullpen system, their season went down the toilet. Where they had Merriweather to Fulmer to, um, give me the closer's name? Alzale. Alzale. When they were fully developed in that system and those guys were healthy and they weren't overused, the Cubs were rolling. As soon as that system broke, 
and they didn't have that dependable guys to kind of finish out games they were winning where they can basically shut it down anywhere between, you know, the fifth inning on. This is what was hitting for the Rangers, man. They had this Spores guy. They were going Spores, Chapman, LeClerc. And I'm telling you, these guys, when they when they got into games, when those three guys got into games, even though Chapman didn't make it look easy all the time, they won those games. And that, that's what I want to see. I want to see how Council does different than Ross in that situation when his pitching just fails him. I mean, that was not David Ross's fault that his pitchers all got hurt and his bullpen fell apart. And I want to see how Council corrects this problem if it happens again and continues to get us to keep winning. Well, I personally don't think that Craig Council is a very good manager of pitching staffs. I think he's a good manager, but I don't think he's a very good manager of pitching staffs. I think he's got Dusty Baker syndrome, and I'm hoping that we can get over that here. Well, I also think, I think Dusty, I mean, I think uh, Craig Council, I think this is a smart manager. You know, I think he won't do stupid mistakes like David Ross did, like overusing the guy or knowing that basically, I mean, Mark Lager Jr., La- I mean, last year, this has been like this has been the first year where we really, I mean, these are times where these guys, uh, first time really playing a big part, like in their career on a team and in a big bullpen, and um, he overused them. He put too much pressure on guys like Merriweather and Lyther, and I'll see how Council really spreads the love in the bullpen because um, shut the computer. Now, Uncle Clint just led us into our next segment, and Caden started firing on it. Now, Caden, keep it down. Um, So I want to jump to this deal here. So the Cubs, a surprising move. On a surprising move, they brought in Craig Council. They fired David Ross. No one really knew this was coming. They paid a ton for the guy. Five years, 40 million bucks. I think the highest That's more than the ace payroll. The highest paid manager right now, I think, is under five million a year. So the Cubs made a move here. I'm going to tell you why I like it. Um, there's a number of reasons. Number one is we took them from a rival, which I love that. I love going at a local, you know, a team 80 miles from us and saying, you know what, you got one of the best managers in the game on your team. We're taking them from you right now. So that's a big part. And for me, I just feel like it's a sign that the Cubs are saying we're all in now. And this is what I've been looking for. They did it in 14 with Renneria. They went and got Madden. Madden had one great year in 15. Took the Cubs to the World Series in 16. That's what happened. Madden, for all the criticisms of him, the guy got the job done. He got them under Madden's leadership, the way he ran that clubhouse. They had great seasons with Joe Madden. And that was a big move the Cubs made. They spent a lot of money to bring Madden in. They did it. He came here. He got it done. He had, what, four? I think he had four really good seasons here with the Cubs. I think they made the playoffs every year he was here, maybe outside of his last one. I'm not sure about his last year. But, again, this is showing if we're going to invest five years, $40 million in our manager, that's a sign that we're going to be willing to look at the Alonzos, to look at bringing Bellinger back, to look at Soto after next year, to look at some of these Japanese pitchers that are coming. It's a sign that the Cubs are about to make moves. I think Alonso's a done deal. I think he's our first baseman next year. I, I think that 100% in stone, and the Alonso plays first. Like Uncle Cubs Cubs and they also, um, they also released some cap space between... Um, they also released cap space by trading Jared Young. And All right, I had to jump in on Caden there for a second. He was driving me crazy with this retro bowl thing on the computer, so it's officially been 
thrown against a wall, and hopefully it's usable for uh, for school tomorrow. Wednesday. As I was saying, the Cubs are emptying out cap space by trading um, Luke Little for money and Jared Young to the, in the card. And they, I think they released Jared Young. So That's who you were talking about, Jared somebody. I knew that's what you were saying. Now, I think we'll see some higher quality feedback out of you. Um, when you're not playing on the computer, even though you just pull a cookie out of his pocket. <laughs> it's like, can you just listen in on the pod for five minutes without getting into your hands into something? But yeah, so that's what's going on with the Cubs. We thought for sure we'd probably be entering this one talking way more NFL, but sure enough, the Cubs gave us a little bit of firepower, and I, I just like what it's showing. I think that they're they're showing the commitment now. Again, the first place, if you're going to look at a team, you're going to say, how are you going to show me you're committed to starting to spend some money? I think you spend it on the manager because if you're willing to spend it on the manager, you better darn be willing to spend it on the players. And the Cubs this year are going to spend it. they got a good farm system. they got good young players. They had three gold glovers this year, so i got to give the shout-out to Horner, Happ, and Swanson on their gold gloves. I mean, so a great defensive team. The Cubs need to make an investment here and try to make a push over the next three years to get this team over the top. I just hope Council can finally get it done. I mean, he's never really he's won in Milwaukee, but he's never really won anything. And he kind of fades away when the playoffs comes around. It, 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 it scares me that we give this guy all this money and he's never really put a team even close to the World Series yet. So I, I hope that we made the right that we made the right move. Uncle Clint has a tendency to blame even some of the greatest managers in baseball history, including Dusty Baker, who has won more games than probably anybody you can think of off the top of your head. Yes, but you're going to criticize him based on the way he managed pitching stats. The guy wins. He's got one World Series in he all He wins those years. a ton of games. His teams do always win, though. And he was, he was there with Barry, wasn't he? I mean, he was right there that year. I mean, it's not – you can't put that on Dusty those years. I mean, they, he, ha, he has teams in the postseason all the time. And maybe does. he could have squeaked out a little bit he, extra. Look, what, he, look, he look also, where he had the Cubs. He also manages – like, the Reds is an exception. He also manages a lot of teams that got a lot of firepower. Well, he took the lowly Cubs pretty close, he too. He did, and the Reds, the Reds was another impressive impressive run by Dusty. I think Dusty's a good manager. I just, and I hope, I mean, I hope Council pans out for us because we're all diehard Cub fans here, and ultimately we want to see him win. I think Council's been one of the best managers in baseball, man. He's got, he, he's got a small market team there. They don't really have a big payroll. They got some. They got some decent players there, but they had, the one year they really tried to make that investment. I think was the year they rented Sabathia. That was the year that they were trying to make some, you know, spending some money in that individual year. I'm not even sure he was there at the time. But Council was he on the the uh, Marlins when they won a World Series? Think was he, he was, I think yes. he was. So he's a winner, man. He won as a player um, with that weird batting stance. Remember that batting stance where he had that, anybody that uh, was watching Council? He was always played, a good ball, good hard nosed ball was, player, man. solid ball player, very smart ball player. I didn't not like. Um, I want to say this right. I thought Ross was fine, but I didn't think Ross was going to be our guy to be our World Series manager. Well, question is, will back. Ross get picked up by another team? I would say no. I don't think. You, I think you'll see Ross. Maybe a bench coach. I think Ross manages somewhere again. You think he'll be maybe not right away, but he'll he'll get back in and manage somewhere again. I think. I don't know. I don't see him as the top guy. I feel like he was kind of a holdover guy here um, after Madden because Madden that was just kind of a mutual separation there. Usually, guys that catch manage. Catchers are usually true. Usually, good managers are catchers. A lot of times, Bruce Bochy's one of them. 
Are we going to see Madden back? I heard Madden will come back and manage. I heard he wants to come back. Yeah, I can't believe nobody's looking at him, dude. When when you have a conversation with Joe Madden about baseball, that guy just knows more about the game than almost anybody I've ever heard. And he has an interesting way of looking at things. He introduced some of these different concepts that you're seeing managers use today with regard to how he uses pitching, how he switched around his lineups. Whether you liked it or not, the dude did some things that was a little bit non-customary back in the day and I, you're starting I, to see that today i was okay with, with the pitching i hated the way he handled the lineup with always jostling guys <laughs> around because if i was a professional baseball player i would want to know where i'm batting what position in the order i'm batting every single day i don't want to bat first one day fifth the next day seventh the next day third the next day it's just totally unconventional and it, it's it, it's normally a recipe for disaster we got we got away with it the only place that guy didn't succeed was in Los Angeles when he went back to the Angels. And I'll tell you, I think he was fine leaving his position there. I don't think he ended up with a great relationship with the front office there. That was him going back home. That was where he started managing on the bench, and he was he was one of the guys behind the scenes there for a while. He told them, if you don't put together a pitching staff here, we're not going to win. And they weren't able to do that for him. He had some top offense. He knew he had Trout. He knew he had Shohei. He knew he had Rendon. He had these players, but he's telling the front office there, give me pitching. If you don't give me arms, we're dead. If you ask a casual baseball fan, a guy that watches mainly in the postseason, doesn't watch a lot of regular season, and you ask him about the Angels pitching staff, they wouldn't be able to name three Angels pitchers from the last eight seasons. They've just, they had they haven't done it. And the Angels now are falling apart because of it, and that's why these guys are going to leave. Eventually, I mean, you're going to see Trout go somewhere. I don't know what's going to happen with that. And do you, Otani, is he going to end up with the Dodgers? I've always said that. That's that's always been my belief. I think he wants to stay out west. He's not going to let his career die out. What with about the, the Padres? I don't know. The, do the Padres have any money left? <laughs> They got deep pockets, man. I mean, do they, they have a, some deep pockets? Yeah, when you look at the players that they've signed, and um, speaking of that, Snell is is on the market, so he wouldn't be a bad pickup for somebody. I think he's a free he agent. Good in the exactly. But they spent, man, that team spends money. But goodness, when you think about Shohei and you think about L.A. and where he wants to be and, and that Dodger team out there, and that's a Dodger city. I like the Yankees. I'm still looking at Shohei and the pinstripes. I think somehow the Yankees suck him right. over there. You guys go Yanks. I go Dodgers. He's on the market right now, baby. So we're going to find out where Shohei goes. And the other thing is, how long? Is he going to let somebody lock him up for 10 years? I mean, is he going to go that far? Or is his agent going to hold him back because of the pitching thing and say maybe yeah, just go for it? Here's the contract I think the Yankees give him to get him: ten years, eight hundred fifty million. <laughs> He's a Yankee. Ten years, eight fifty. Oh my God, that would be unbelievable! All right, we're getting ready for some NFL, so we're moving on. All right, we're going to jump into NFL. That was fun going back to baseball. We'll keep you posted when major news flies on the MLB side. But we just had week nine already. Can you guys believe that the NFL is already going into week 10? It just seems like the season just flies away sometimes. And it's just been going by really fast. I had a couple of notes from week nine, and, and I'll let you guys kind of fill in any thought that thoughts that you had. I think that the Cowboys and the Dolphins are pretenders, man. I think they really show themselves as a second-tier team behind the top dogs in both the NFC and the AFC. And the reason being is because 
they can't <clears throat> beat the good teams. When they end up, the Cowboys had a golden opportunity to knock Philly out. Philly gave them every shot at the end of that game, and it just felt like the Cowboys couldn't get the job done. They actually played a pretty good game. And when you talk about the Dolphins, start looking at who the Dolphins beat and start looking at who the Dolphins lose to. Tua's a completely different quarterback when he's playing under pressure against some of these better defenses, and he doesn't get the job done. If you look at their offensive numbers in these games that they're losing, they're not very good. These guys are not there. I mean, I think under passing, he passed for under a couple hundred yards. They don't really have a consistent run game. These physical teams, they, these pretenders can't get it done. Even in college, I never thought Tua was a big money player. I just never, I never did. When he when he got locked in, in big games, I just never thought Tua was able to get the job done. I don't dislike him. I just think that those two teams... Somebody needs to show that they can win a big game because week after week, when they play the better teams, the big dogs in the league, they just find a way to lose. My, 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 my upset pick of the week, I think the Cleveland Browns go into Baltimore and get to win. That's, I'm going to mention that game. That's coming up in our Week 10 Takeaways. We'll jump on that game, so hold that thought on that one. The other Week 9 takeaway I had is that the Cincinnati Bengals are now for real. I mean, he, they limped into this season, literally, Burrow with the calf. People didn't know what was wrong with Burrow. He was throwing you know, he was throwing 17 passes for 65 yards, and no one could figure out what was wrong with Burrow. They're firing now. I said last week the Niners were going down. Yeah, and the, um, the Bengals, like I said, they the, – the big thing is you're starting to see with these teams, including – the Chiefs is that their defenses are for real, and the Bengals are a physical team on defense too. So when both ends of the ball are getting it done, you're starting to see a really solid performance from them. The Bengals now, I, that division's unreal. You got the uh, you got the Ravens sitting at the top. I think I saw something just recently here that if the postseason started today, every team from the FC North is in the playoffs. Every single team: Bengals, Steelers. Ravens, Browns, they're all in. They're all the lowest record in the division. I think is five and three. Browns are five and three. Yeah, they're all five. They're all five and three except the Ravens, who are seven and two. Seven and two. So unbelievable division there. But watch out for Cincy, man. I put them in that top echelon of the league right now, which I believe that that top section of the league includes the Chiefs, the Eagles, the Ravens, and the Bengals. Those are the teams that I believe are the top four teams in the league. Three of them are from the AFC. The only one I got as a top team from the NFC is the Eagles. And then my second tier of teams, and these are the only teams that I think have a shot to win the Super Bowl this year, is the second tier I got Miami, Jacksonville, San Francisco, Detroit, and Dallas. I believe those teams are a, a surefire notch below those top four I just mentioned. And I just think that the champion... Oh, man, it's so hard because the AFC just looks like a tougher trek to get through. The AFC is loaded. The NFC looks like a bunch of teams that you don't know what you're going to get out of them. I mean, even if you look look at my top teams there from the NFC outside of Philly, Dallas, one team no clue you, what you're going to get. One out team of. that you didn't mention that's <laughs> not bad. Washington Commanders. I'm not somehow, on a Super Bowl somehow, list. no, but somehow that guy finds a way to win. <laughs> That quarterback is well, not so that does good. Tomlin. How is Tomlin winning games? His players aren't even happy, and they're still winning. It's because Tomlin is Tomlin's is a great coach. Great coach. Let me tell you why Tomlin's so great. They're trying to fire him up 
the media is trying to get him going. They're trying to get him to overreact. Just calm, just and they calm. ask him, what's going on with this Pickens thing? He deleted Pittsburgh off of his social media. He says, free me and all this stuff because Pickens is such a star, even though this other guy's getting all the, the targets over there. Johnson and uh, Tomlin's comment, quote, unquote, it's a pebble in my shoe. <laughs> so that's what makes Tomlin a great I mean, coach. I, I personally think Pickens is the best wide receiver on that team, but he, he is. they don't act like it. They don't have anybody to throw him the ball. I saw something the other day that said Stroud has more touchdown passes in his career now than Pickett. Than Pickett. Pickett played all last year. C.J. Stroud looks like he might be the first guy from Ohio State that pans out to become any type of a good quarterback in the National Football League. I'm telling you, man. He, I saw him do some veteran-looking things the other day where he makes that little pump fake or he makes that little move to kind of throw the defender off. And my my beginning of the year pick of 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns for Tank Dell is looking pretty good, right? Well, you got a big help this week. You got a big help this week when he scored the game winner. And I think he had over like a buck fifty plus two touchdowns. I mean, he looked awesome this week. And I I was watching him a little bit for the first time. And what Steve Smith said about his route running is true, man. He's sharp. Like he he makes moves that throw guys off. And his size doesn't seem to be a factor, especially I mean outside of injuries. Um, You know, a lot like the guy from Philly, who he's a small guy and he gets it done. So Tank Dell does look like he's got a future in this league, without a doubt. And if, if this Stroud guy is going to be throwing him the ball for years to come, why not? That could be a killer combo because Stroud definitely looks – I think right now he's 14 TDs against one pick. That's the season the guy's having. Unreal. I mean, That's impressive. Not, for very impressive. impressive. Very impressive. All right, we're, we're moving on from week nine. All right, week ten. I just looked at the list and I just threw out two matchups – and without me even telling you what they were, you already talked about one of them. I think the big games of the week, the first one is the Browns versus the Ravens. They got the Ravens um, favored by six points in this game. That's the line right now as of today. And I think it's an interesting game. I think that line's heavy. I don't think it should be six. I don't think it should be that high. The Browns' defense is for real. Um, they're starting to play a little bit better offensively. I don't know what they put up last week, but... Well, go ahead. I'll let you finish on that game now because it sounds like you wanted to talk about it. sounds like you like Cleveland there. Well, I do. The, the last time, though, that I made a prediction against the spread, I thought Detroit was a lock, and they went, oh, out, yeah. there, they went out there and got their clock completely cleaned and their bell rung. So, and um, who, who did that, by the way? Because it was Baltimore, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it, it, it was the Baltimore Ravens. <laughs> so I, I, Baltimore, Baltimore could snake bite me again uh, here, but I like the Cleveland Browns. Um, Cleveland Baltimore is a huge rivalry, and all the Ravens used to be Cleveland with Modell and yada yada yada. So big rivalry here. I think that Cleveland's going to go into Baltimore this week with the upset win. I think the Cleveland Browns are going to win this game because they are more defensively sound than the Baltimore Ravens, and I think that Cleveland's going to get it done. It's an interesting call. I mean, I I like the Browns. I just find them an interesting team. I think that Watson, missing all that time, the more time he's out there, he's got to feel a little bit better. He still has a lot of talent. Um, You know, that that team with Chubb on it 
would really be a dangerous team. I, they're really missing him. When you watch the games, they don't. Chubb is special. Chubb's a three down back. I'm missing Chubb's, him on my fantasy team. <laughs> yeah, we know well, that. One, oh, guy, one guy that I, I I didn't play him this week. At the last minute, I said Keenan Allen and put Amari Cooper in, but. That, that's a guy that's got all kinds of talent, but he's just he's so up and down. One week he scores twenty five or thirty points, the next week he scores four. I think it's, it also because the quarterback kinda wants to spread the love, I guess. Well the that quarterback just well the quarterback also just hasn't been on top of his game. No, I mean and you not. got the other guy there, the guy they got from New York, Moore. Correct. He's Elijah a solid Moore, number two. He's a good number two yeah, He's a yeah. solid number two. So they got a good one two punch there. I think that the way their defense is if they have a Watson that was continuing to graduate week to week and a healthy Chubb, I think that's a Super Bowl contending team with a good good wide receiving core. They got a decent tight end in that. Yeah, good defense. Their, their defense is not good. Their defense is great. So well, their defense the Browns, the Browns the man, it just it really stinks that that had to happen um, to Chubb because, like I said, I think he. I, I honestly believe that this year was going to be the year where you were going to say he's the best back in the league, and I don't think he was able to show that. Um, obviously, he wasn't able to show that with the injury, but I think that's one of two interesting games this week. There's a lot of bad games. Um, we'll talk about one of them coming through coming through our town. <laughs> coming through our town on the Amazon Thursday night game. But before we get to that, 49ers-Jacksonville. That's an interesting game. I mean, Jacksonville, ever since they went over to London... They've been on it. The Jaguars win games. Um, that guy knows how to play. That Peterson knows how to coach. I'm, I'm going to say, and I said last week that the 49ers are going down. I'm going for four losses in a row for the 49ers, taking the Jacksonville Jaguars to win this week. They got the 49ers favored by three in this game. I, I don't. I, I believe they're at home though, so I think that's a push game, which I, I can't really argue yeah. the line on that. But yeah, I think I that's going to be a dirty close game. Zero confidence in Brock Purdy for me. Uh, that's that's the <laughs> that's the deal breaker for me. Is in a tight game, uh, I'll take Trevor Lawrence over Brock Purdy, and and I think that uh, you know Travis Etienne and, and, and McCaffrey will cancel each other out in that game, and I think that the quarterback is going to make the difference here, and I think that Trevor Lawrence is going to get it done in Brock Purdy. Yeah, I just feel like he's more comfortable. You know, Brock Purdy kind of seems like in the big times, even against Philadelphia in the playoffs last year, it kind of seemed like um, he was panicking when Brock Purdy panicked, can't make big plays, he's got to trust his body, but Trevor Lawrence, he's got all the talent in the world, and he just comes it together. I, I like Trevor Lawrence, man. I think... He was on the Manning cast the other night. You ever watch the Manning cast? It's hilarious. No. So Peyton and Eli do a simulcast while that Monday Night Football game's on. So you got the Monday Night Football here, and Peyton and Eli are in the side bracket, the, you know, in the side box. It's the whole the whole game they do it, and they bring on guests. So last night they bring on Arnold. They had Arnold on, and as Arnold's talking to them, a goat or a donkey comes onto the screen. Arnold starts feeding it like he's sitting in his house. Apparently Arnold has all these wild, you know, farm animals that just walk around in his house and stuff. So Peyton was laughing about that. I mean, it's really funny to watch it. So then they tell Arnold, like, "Hey, um, we want you to come back, but give us a, uh, give us an I'll be back, like for the commercial break, you know." So Arnold, all right, guys, you know, I'll be back, you know. And then they go away, and then Arnold didn't come back. Peyton and Eli are like, ah, uh, they come back from commercial, and they're like, yeah, we don't. Arnold must have thought we were joking. He, he decided that he's just not he's back. He, he was gone. He just never came back. So he was out. So then they brought Lawrence in, and they had Lawrence on, and they were just – so they, they put this side-by-side picture where they said, this is what you would look like if you had Peyton's haircut. Oh. <laughs> they put 
this thing up on the screen. And, and Peyton goes like this. Looks like they gave you my neck and my forehead in this picture. And I mean, it looked hilarious because Lawrence and Manny, they actually looked alike. It looked so funny. And it just, it showed Peyton with that high forehead. And then Lawrence just had this little coma. <laughs> but if you're not watching it, you've got to watch it. I mean, it is hysterical. They bring on, and then Caden, how about they, they got this prediction board. They basically like feed you a prediction. They'll be like, we want you to make the prediction board. They'll be like, they're on the one yard line. What's going to happen? They'll be like, they're going to hand it to Eckler and he's going to score. So then you call it, all right, now you're on the prediction board. And then this board's got all these guys' heads on it. And Peyton's head's on there. His forehead's like nine inches long. They just got his head on there. And it's nine inches long. I mean, we, we tend when we watch the Monday night games, we tend like, to watch it simulcast by Peyton and Eli. Because they just, oh, yeah, here it is. Katie, Katie's <laughs> He does look almost that is, exactly like him. And he goes, he gave him oh, my neck yeah. and my forehead. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> so this is the kind of stuff they do. It's the kid, they, they just... They yeah, oh, yeah, it's that. nonstop. And they have really good guests on, and they're they're funny. They're kind of naturals with it. So um, jumping on to another... You know, moving past <laughs> the Jaguars-49ers game, I think that's going to be <clears throat> a very interesting game. I mean, I think the Niners could fall to 5-4 and four there. Uh, with their four straight loss, so the Niners really need to get off the schneid and get that going. Our um, our amazing uh, Thursday night Amazon game this week is the Bears Panthers. Oh, so um, the Bears really have some incentive to win there, right? Because the Cardinals now at one and eight, they want they, they want to drop they want to drop the Panthers. They want to keep the Panthers. They want the Panthers to keep losing because the Bears look more likely to get the pick through the Panthers' number one pick than through their own because the Bears will probably be able to squeak out four wins this year. Oh, I, don't, I don't know, dude. The, the, the backup guy, if they keep him in, I'm telling you, they're more likely to win with him. He 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 throws some picks, but he throws some good passes some too. three. Well, wow. dude, I mean, look, I'm not going to try to, you know, uh, pound the drum for this kid, but I will tell you that when you bring in a Division two quarterback that's never seen an NFL field and he's got more guts. His, his, his intelligence level is higher than field. He, he moves through his reads. I saw him multiple times hit a third progression. I, I Like I said, I don't love him. He, he throws off the back foot sometimes. He, you know, or I mean, like where he's kind Better, of balanced. Better, I say Stevens, shut he, him down. He doesn't, you know, he, he doesn't make the best decisions, but he's a rookie from a Division two school. He's got NFL talent. I think that he's a guy that's going to be either a backup on a team or a starter for one of these bottom teams in future years. I think you'll see the guy around, but maybe it's just because of how much we're uh, maybe it's just because of how much we're seeing. How about this guy last week, Caden? Keaton Mitchell for the Baltimore Ravens never took a snap in the NFL in his entire career. Hundred yards, first game he played. Well, didn't they rush for like three hundred? Yeah, but I mean, I never even heard of the guy until I pulled him up. Is he rookie? He's a halfback, number thirty-four. What about the guy Minnesota got from Arizona? The guy didn't even know any of the players' names on the team, and he and he led him on a comeback to win the game. Dow, what's his name? Dobbs? Romeo Dobbs. Romeo no, Dobbs. It's Romeo? I thought it was Josh Dobbs. Josh Dobbs. Oh, the quarterback? Yeah, the quarterback. Josh Dobbs. Josh The guy Dobbs. doesn't... They're, they're, he's practicing with the offensive lineman on the sideline. They've never practiced with them before. He, they don't even know... Josh Dobbs. His calls, his nothing. The guy ends up... And he gets into the game, complete train wreck. First plays in the game, gets safetyed. It looks like, what are they doing? How, do they, how are they going to do anything with this guy? He started figuring it out. And he... he he leads them to a comeback win. I mean, what did the what ended up being the score of that game? I'm trying to see here. 
Okay, well, you, you know, got Minnesota all... beat Atlanta 31-28. to That was the final. It was a really an entertaining game to watch, to be honest with you. Um, we were just checking bits and pieces yeah, of it. Atlanta Falcons quarterback it finally was, losing it. Yeah, but for some reason, I was going to say, I think he's down. They, they, they got. <laughs> I told you guys before, like, you can't let a guy just hand the ball over that. So who took over for think, him? I don't think Ritter's been the guy there. Caden, can you grab the number on that and see who's been the uh, see who's been the guy for the Falcons? It's not uh, trying to see. I'm on it. Give me the box score on it and see who did it. Sounds great. No, I mean, grab it. Let's go. you got to be quick, man. It's if you're going to be the computer guy, I hear that loading stuff a lot. I want to know yeah, who was the quarterback for the Falcons in that game because I, uh, I don't think that it was Ritter. But the NFL, always entertaining. A couple big matchups this week. Caden will probably cover a piece of the Bears when he gets into his little sports corner. It is. Taylor Heineke. Oh, yeah, Heineke. Yeah, Heineke. Remember the guy that was on uh, Washington last year? That's not a ball player. That's who they're going to. I got another guy for you. Too. Are you going pops and flops here? You want to jump to that? You want to go to pops and flops, or are you just going some random fantasy guys? Because I actually wrote down a couple pops and flops. My this flop week was perfect from last week. Yes, George Pickens. And who was your pop? Oh, listen to this. Listen to this. This is a funny one for Kate. He picks George Pickens to flop, and, and, starts. He, and he starts him. <laughs> I just and then he gets rid of Tank Top. I can't even, dude. Uncle Clint's done giving pointers. The management of his team. Tank Dollar, trash. Every time I start him. The the draft was not that bad. It's the management of the team by the manager here has been absolutely brutal. So, who was your pop last week, though? Do you remember that? Saquon? No, it wasn't. Dude, I got to check the tape on it. I can't remember who it was now. You don't remember. What do you got this week? I got. You got a pop and flop this week? Have you thought about it? If not, I'll go first. You go first. All right, I'll go first. Uncle Clint doesn't have his normal notes. I called him out of the bullpen late. He didn't know he was coming in, so he had to do a quick warm-up. My pop this week is T. Higgins. I think T. Higgins came out of his shell a little bit this week. Chase right now looks like you may not see him this weekend. They're saying his back's been acting up on him until you may not see Chase, so there's a little bit of a gamble there. T. Higgins is the number one wide receiver. He's going to be next year. He's probably going to go somewhere else. The guy, if it's thrown in his direction, he catches it. He doesn't have that breakaway speed. I think he had 8 for 110 this week. But I think you're going to see him find the end zone this weekend. And I think you're going to see him with 8 to 10 balls, 100 to 120 yards, somewhere in that range, plus a tutty. So I like T. Higgins. My flop, again, when I look for flops, I look for a surprise flop. And my flop this week is Lamar Jackson. I think when Lamar Jackson... Starts looking like an MVP, which is what the word is now. Lamar's in the top three in the MVP running right now with with uh, Mahomes, with Hertz, and then Lamar. As soon as Lamar creeps his way in that conversation, he has a stinker. And I think if he's going to have a stinker, it's going to be in the division, and it's going to be against a defense like the Browns. And I think they're going to neutralize him. You're not going to see him get a lot of yards on the ground, and they're going to force him to throw the ball. And we're going to see if he can throw the ball when they know that's what he's going to be doing. And the run game is not going to be rolling 100%. So we're going to see what happens there. But those are my pops and flops. Again, I, I don't think I'm the guy to listen to on this, but I do like to look at potential for guys that are going to get a lot of touches and a lot of targets. That's what I think you're going to see out of T. And then Lamar is just due for a stinker. If he's going to do it, it's going to be against a team like the Browns. So, Caden, you want to go next? You want to give it to Uncle Of course. I would love to go. All right. What do you got? My pop is George Kittle. My 
Because George Carroll Hang on, hang on. Is... I'm going to let you get to your problem in a second. Take the computer and hand it to me right now. Thank you. You better remember that. George Kittle, go ahead. Um, because I just feel like Brock Purdy has a lot of confidence in his wide receivers right now. I feel like the dump off passes, little screen passes, and the short passes to Kittle will be good. Um, and my flop is, um, I think it's going to be Kareem Hunt because he's been playing a big role for the Browns and he's going to stink it up. I got a pop and a flop. My flop is the same as Uncle Brett's this week because I'm taking Cleveland. So I say that that Lamar Jackson is going to flop. But I got a pop that I'm going out on a limb. And I'm going to say that a guy by the name of Capri Bibbs for the Denver Broncos pops off this week. What does he do? Running back. What about, I thought uh, Javante was starting to see some touches there again. Was yeah, that, I'm uh, going to put Capri Bibbs. As my but what I'm saying is Javante been getting the majority of the touches there because I thought he's been turning around, starting to look good. Is this guy? Is there? Is there I know. Where are you coming up with? I can, where, how, how do you know he's going to get the touches? Is there some I, kind of report on this? Giving or? him every opportunity to become the lead back. What did he do last week? How many touches did he get? Just watch out for Capri. I know. <laughs> okay. okay, Capri Bibbs. Bibbs. B-I-B-B-S. Okay. Capri Bibbs. Okay. And hang on, before you get to your flop, I, I had to look this up. I wasn't getting support from my IT guy over here. Josh Dobbs this week. Josh Dobbs, hey, Josh Dobbs this week. 20 of 30, 158 yards, two touchdowns. And listen to this, I'm not done. Seven carries for 66 yards and a touchdown. That was Josh Dobbs. For a team that he didn't know any of the players' names on, and he got the job done. So anyway, got to give that guy a shout out, man. Yes, that's, definitely. Great that's job. some that's some tough trekking right there. Go ahead. Who's your uh, Who's your next my, one? This my, is your. Oh my, yeah, your flop was my, Lamar. My flop was Lamar. I got you. Okay, so yes. got it. All right. All right. So before Lamar Jacks. Oh. All right, moving Cleveland's on. Cleveland's defense is going to be too much for him this week. It'll be interesting to see. Moving on from the NFL. All right. We've been wanting to do a little NBA corners here and the NBA regular season sometimes it's not a whole lot to talk about it's day to day it's you know they play 82 games and I'm you know, a lot of touch with, with NBA I don't follow NBA as, as much as I do baseball and, and football anymore so I'm I'm, I mean, I'm still on top of it but not you guys are, are way more well versed with the basketball than me currently to be honest early season NBA is is very hard to engage with because you know it's a long season you know almost all the teams get in and you know that a lot of times in the last couple of years you've been seeing low seeds work their way all the way deep into the playoffs I just don't so like, the regular season's been devalued which is why I want to talk about this I don't, in I don't really term. like the way the game is played anymore I think it's it's too offensive minded that there's not enough defense in the game there's not enough well, it's uh, threes and dunks there's not enough rough Bill Lambeer, Detroit Pistons style up underneath the basket play anymore. It's just that, that, that the basketball from when me and you were kids and, and watching it to today's game is just totally, to me, the product is garbage. I, I, I don't like it at all. Um, it, it's too much offense, not enough defense. And I just, I personally don't like the way the game has evolved and the game has, has, has changed from what it was when we were kids to, to what it is now. The, the single biggest change in the game in my opinion, outside of the fact that threes and layups are pretty much the only two shots, threes and dunks, there's no there's no post up game. So when you when you have a center on your team, he's not designed 
for a he's not designed to be a post player. He's designed to be a guy flash to the top of the key, you know, move the ball, pass, do things. There's no you rarely do you see a possession, a drawn up possession in the NBA where a guy comes up the floor, throws it down to a guy like Shaq, dribble, dribble, turn, dunk, dribble, dribble, turn, hook. Dribble, you just don't see it anymore. The, the, yeah. our, the post player's gone. Right. It's I gone. Mean, even when we were kids, even you, the Ewings and the Elijah yeah. Wings, the yes. offense went through those guys. Exactly. You yeah. sent the ball down low, and they either took it in or they passed it back out. They made something. The, the center was the guy that, after you got across half court, he was a lot of times the first guy to get the ball. And then the offense was generated through him. Guys would get their positioning. The center is completely out of the game now. Right. Yeah, right. I mean, he, he, his position is eliminated. Basically, I mean, the only thing he does is jump ball at the beginning of the game, and his position is is pretty much been eliminated. I mean, is the the new center right is a guy like Wemby, right? Is he the future of centers? I mean, this guy's seven foot four or something. He can dribble the ball. He can shoot threes. But when you see a seven foot four guy try to work his way down the driving lane, it just looks awkward. He's unbelievable with his arm span and stuff. But man, he he just he, I would he, love to see another player like Shaq. Come along and and see if he can make it in today's game. Right. Yeah. Somebody that's like a true dominant. I would like to see that and see if 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 somebody could actually make it in today's game that plays the game like the Chamberlains and the Shacks and the Ewings and the Elijah ones and those guys. Those guys are to me that those guys are pretty much dead. In in my mind, and I, I could be wrong, somebody might tell me I'm missing somebody here, but your last true post player, Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard was your last true post player. Dwight yeah. Howard. Like, true. Like, Dwight Howard, all he did was get the ball down low, rebound, and dunk. I mean, he was a... That's all Howard did. Howard didn't do any, any but, kind of jump shooting but or I'm anything saying, like that. He didn't he was, do it the way these auxiliary guys do it today, where, like, your center is a guy that gets eight points and grabs 12 rebounds. He did it as a legit player. I mean, no, but they need, Howard, all, they need all around players. They can't just... But no, no, I'm saying Dwight Howard came was like a... Well, I'm talking like 24 and 15 kind of guy yeah. for, for, for four or five years. Not You're thinking of the guy from the Lakers. I'm talking when he was in his prime in Orlando. The it's, game to me now is to the point where I I don't even really enjoy watching it. it, it it's just... It, it's From what I watched as a kid till now, the game has just evolved in a way that I personally don't particularly care for. It's just... It's just I, I like I like the playoffs. I, I watch a little bit of regular season. I do like the way Steph Curry's kind of changed the game in terms of like the smaller, quicker players feeling like they have an avenue to the league. Where before a guy who's six one, six two feels like if he doesn't have Iverson type speed and talent or something, he's not going to make it. A guy that just learns how to get a quick shot up, you know, free himself, have good handles. You know, he's changed the game in that respect. He, he has, but then I mean, you got guys like when we were kids, you got guys like John Starks. John Starks was a little guy. John Starks could play defense. Yeah. And John Starks could shoot the ball on the other end of the court. John Starks could shut you down when you came down on the defensive side of the ball. There's hardly anybody in the NBA that can single-handedly go and lock you down in a game anymore and stop. It's just yeah. it's just non-existent. Your, your best two-way guys, honestly, was a prime LeBron, was, was one of your best two-way guys, a prime Kawhi. Kawhi was a great two-way. Right. And I mean, there's not many. I mean, it's just the special, special guys. Right. 
I mean, it's even more. I mean, even Kobe was both ways when yep. he played. But I mean, even even now, since those guys, and that was LeBron probably seven, eight years ago. Not anymore. Yeah, I mean, Le- he's, Le- he's getting older now. LeBron you know has saying? to closely kind of manage how he defends correct, now, based correct. on his age and so forth. Right. He was but still, he's been around a long, long LeBron time. was. It, the, the best version of LeBron, believe it or not, was probably 2018 with Cleveland when they did not win the finals and they actually got swept by the Warriors in that year. That's the best I've ever seen LeBron in terms of game IQ, um, aggressiveness towards the hoop, the way he could defend. He could defend all five positions. And LeBron at that point, when you think about that, that's five years ago, LeBron was still 33. He that's was still like, playing like that. I mean, I look at a guy like Durant, and I used to think, Man, Durant's a great player. Guys like David Robinson would eat him for lunch if he played back in that day. They would absolutely eat Durant for lunch. Le- Durant is a, is an all-time great offensive player. He There's no Durant's, do it on one side right, Durant's body type does not transfer in physicality to those other generations. There's very few guys. Like I said, I would jump to the Duncan. Guys like Tim Duncan would eat him a lot. Yeah. Oh yeah, they no, eat, they, they, he can't defend them. Eat Durant alive. He's no, tough. Those guys he can't defend guys like that. No way. Like I said, that's why, like you said, you're only talking about a select few guys with a certain body type that can get it done on both ends of the floor. And it's a small group. I mean, and now you look at guys, you almost got to be a specialist, right, to do it. And you look at, that's why I picked Boston to win the title this year uh, from my end is because that addition of Holiday from Milwaukee. I don't think Milwaukee knows what they let go there. I mean, this guy is an on-ball guy. Boston's already got the offense, plus they added Chris Depps Porzingis. If he stays rolling and he stays healthy, I just don't see anybody beating that team because they got an on-ball defender in him. Now, he's a guy that he might only get you. This is what you get with your good players now, like good defenders. They, they, they want to give about 10, 12 points out of the guy. It, like it, was, it was a perfect example of a Kentucky guy with, with Boston, Rondo. Even even though Rondo didn't score offensively, Rondo to me on that team was the most important player they had when they had Paul Pierce and Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett. Rondo was the most important guy because everything went through him on the offensive end, and Rondo could actually play defense. He couldn't shoot a lick. He couldn't no. hit. He but couldn't he, hit the broadside with Barn if he had to. He couldn't shoot a lick. But he he was a great pass first point guard. He didn't shoot the ball, and he could play defense. That, that's what I was gonna say. He, he literally didn't shoot, though. And that's what was so smart about Rondo, right? Like, he only took his layups. He only took his gimme jumpers. He, he was knew not, his weakness in his game was he couldn't shoot. I, I think you're 100% right about that team. I, they always talked about that being the first big three. And I said, that team had four. And that team had four Hall of Famers on it, with Rondo being one. And another thing people don't realize about Rondo is there's a such thing called playoff Rondo. Rondo notched it up in the postseason. He, he didn't... It, he did not get nearly enough credit when that team won the championship because, to me, Rondo was the most important player on that squad. Every year, I would probably argue Durant, um, Garnett only because Garnett was such a fierce competitor, dude. Like, you couldn't find a guy that played harder. Paul Pierce was Garnett. no slouch either. I mean, Paul Pierce was an all player, but man, Garnett was the glue. Garnett was just a he, – he was an animal. When Garnett was with Boston, man, he, he had that goal to win that title. I thought that team should have won more than one. They had the Lakers on the ropes the following year and blew it, but they um, that team should have won a couple, and Rondo was a big part of that, and I agree with you. I don't think he got enough credit. I want to talk quick about this NBA in-season tourney because that was kind of before we got sidebarred a little bit there. 
I wrote some notes down on this thing for people that don't know what this is. I, I believe the concept here is to try to find buy-in to the regular season. And when I read about it, I'm literally shaking my head going, I'm like, what do you get out of this? And I'm reading they get prize money? Like, the concept here I don't know that I like. I'll give you the quick summary on it. There, it it's taking place during the regular season. All the games count to the regular season. They're all part of the prize money. I'll tell you. Let me get into it. So... So the game, all the games count towards the regular season. There's group play. These teams are randomly drawn into groups of five um, based on your last year's win-loss record. So there's groups of five teams across six different sets, so three in the east, three in the west. And then they do this group play, and then it breaks down into, um, it breaks down into knockout rounds, Eight teams advance, so the top team in each of those six plus two wild card teams, one wild card from the east, one wild card. So I'd say, I mean, hey, if you guys are really interested in it, listeners, just Google it and you'll see the whole layout. I didn't really want to get into the nuts and bolts of this thing, but um, they basically will play a quarter, semis, and a final. It's all one-game elimination. And I'm just thinking to myself, this is going to be a scheduling nightmare for the NBA because they don't know who's going to make it. And given that all the games count towards the regular season – as they make it, they got to figure out how to flip these schedules around. Did they think this through at all before they started this? It's, I, they definitely thought it through because when you read how they set it up, you're going, oh, my gosh, did they do a lot of work on this? I mean, they did a lot of work to make sure, like, the tiebreaker thing is, like, nine bullet points long because there could be so many different tiebreakers. They don't want these guys to have to play any extra games. So it's, like, head-to-head, point differential. I mean, it goes down, it goes down seven things deep because they might have to reference this tiebreaker so many different times throughout this in-season tournament thing. So I'll tell you what I like. And then, obviously, there's going to be a lot that I don't like. And one final note. The only game that doesn't count towards the regular season, uh, the regular 82 games, is the championship. So that's the only game that goes outside this. Um, the floors look awesome. <laughs> Have you seen it, Kaden? So when they, when they play a game that's part of this tourney, you'll know when you turn it on TV because the floor is like fluorescent. Like the Bulls floor is like all red. It's got cool graphics on it. Like, and that's what means that it's part of the in-season tournament. That's how you know. Every team has their own design. The Lakers is all yellow and like the logo on. It looks really cool. So the floors, they did a job on. Is every team in it? Or every team's in it. in it. Every team's in it. A team they play they play like four games within their bracket. Whoever has the best record advances, and then they go straight into like a quarter semis final. And then they the schedules will get flipped around to make sure that these all count towards the regular season. So the concept is to get people interested during the regular season because the NBA feels like there's so many games. Think about it: sixteen teams get in. There's only thirty teams in the league, so over fifty percent of the teams are making the playoffs. Here's where it gets really funky. So I'm like, so what do you get out of this? Number one, they call it the NBA Cup. So if you win this tournament, Caden, you win the NBA Cup. That's the first thing. They'll have an all-tournament team. They'll have, like, an MVP of the tournament. So you get some awards there. But then the last thing NBA players need is more money. Yes. And that's what they get in this thing. So I'm like, what is the ultimate goal? Because I was thinking, like, the winning team should get, like, an extra uh, ping-pong ball and lottery. You know, Something creative like that, something that's going to help that team build the future, like an incentive for their future, not just it's all money. So they look at it. The winner, everybody gets 500k. Everybody on the team, the coach, everybody gets 500k for the winner. 
the, the second place team, everybody gets 200K. The core or the semi, the teams that were in the semis, they all get, or like the third and fourth place teams, they get 100. And then the final team that was in the quarters or whatever they get, I'll get 50,000. That's where I think they really messed this up. If you want to make an in-season tournament like this, which is clearly an attempt to get people gravitating more to these regular season games and try to create some interest there, you have to put some value on that in-season tournament for something that's going to apply to the team's future. And that's what's not there for me. So I feel like, like I said, my idea was to, to somehow allocate it to the draft and mixing in more ping pong balls for the teams that are good, and see if they can, you know, get a chance to sneak out something in the, uh, you know, sneak out a number one pick or something interesting like that. That's my thought. So that's the NBA in-season tourney for people that are casual NBA fans that turn on the TV and see this crazy floor and don't understand what's going on. That's part of it. If you want to know the whole structure, look it up. It's kind of interesting. But that's my piece on the NBA right now. We will drop in with some NBA talk. We'll talk about trades that happen. Um, we'll keep you posted on the most fun guys to cover, the LeBrons, the, the KDs, the Stephs, all those guys, the Joker, all those guys. I think I just saw the other day Joker pass LeBron for most career triple doubles. So the Joker's clearly a triple-double machine, man. He's only, you know, he's played in probably less than half the games of Braun and he's got over a hundred, you know, hundred plus triple doubles. And I think that's top five all time with uh, Westbrook being, I think Westbrook's number one all time with triple doubles. Anyway, moving on. Caden, you wanted the floor. The floor for your Chicago sports corner is going to be yours. Now you could start with the Bears, we gave you a little lead in with that, with the Bears-Panthers. And you can cover whatever you want, but I will say this before we let Caden go here. Well, we could jump in for him and give him a little help if he needs it along the way here. But Chicago sports right now is embarrassing. Weak. The Bulls seem to be caught in this middle ground between a rebuild and attempts to win for the better part of the last, since since Derrick Rose was here with Joakim Noah. It, it's been forever. I think that was, I think was Rose's MVP year 2013? I think it was like 2013. So it's been 10 years. And they they had a legit chance back then. They had a legit team. They had, and, and now we've been 10 years of this with the Bulls. The Blackhawks were winning uh, Stanley, Stanley Cups for a while. Now they've been irrelevant for a while. They got they got a dynamite good player this year. The the, the Bears, I know. Yeah, the Bears' last Super Bowl was 1985. We still talk about the 85 Bears like they won it in 2015. They did have a chance like... when they lost to Manning and the Colts, though. They did oh yeah, lose. they did. They made Bobby it with uh, took them with year. Grossman. Yeah, they made they made it with Grossman. I remember that. Um, so, Caden, the floor is yours, man. NBA Sports Chicago Sports Corner. What do you got? Um. So for the Bears, uh. So they just fall to the Saints uh, this week. I mean, there's a lot of positives to take out of this. The game started really, really good with a really solid drive and then finished out with a touchdown at Cole Komet. Uh, Bajant, overall, this guy's. I know the Bears are 2-7, and seven, but the Bears are really looking at this guy, thinking this guy can actually do something. I know he threw three picks, but... And we do two touchdowns, 220 yards. The last thing the Bears are hoping is that Bajan's confidence can um, go down because of that. 
because they want um, Bajan to really, um, really do well and really get Fields to ride for his money because clearly, especially this wide receiver in this team, this t it just kind of seems like this team believes in Bajan. Um, so for the Bears, it looks like Bajan's going to start Thursday night because uh, Fields is day-to-day. This is a this is a team of the Panthers that is very frustrated, and the Bears have something to play for. It's Thursday night. Um, they want to go out and get a dub. They want to go get Bajan some confidence. They, I think they kind of know what they really want with the running game with Foreman and the wide receivers. They gotta share some love. I mean, they got some really nice wide receiver talent with Darnell Mooney and more. And yeah, more. What I tell you about this Fields injury, I told you, if this guy did anything, any kind of shadow that looked like he could be an alpha quarterback, meaning this Bajan, this injury was going to drag and drag. They're, they're trying to decide right now what they want to do with Fields. I know what I would do with Fields. I know what I would have done with Fields the day they drafted him. Scrapped the whole project. Where, where are we? How many weeks are we at now with this fantasy thumb thing? It's, it's just like, the, how many, is this Bajan's fourth start? Set third, third, yeah, and no, and then the game he came in, so he came in. This week will be a third start. Third start. I mean, what is going on? Go ahead, Caden. Sorry. So I, I just think the Bears want Bajan to get some confidence. I, I think the Bears want him to know that he's the man. He's. <laughs> I really think they want to really bring down Justin Fields and really get uh, Bajan some confidence that he's going to ride out this year and he wants to be the starting quarterback. Uh, I really feel like if Bajan's going to have some confidence. They need to have like a side plan for him if it's the running game, a dump off pass. Cause, um, like like you said, he's smart, but he can still make those rookie mistakes. And when he's panicking a little bit, the Bears need to find a way to get the running game involved so he can take less pressure off them. Which Foreman's been doing a great job. So, um, to, to recap up, the Bears playing the Panthers. Uh, for keys to the game. I'm thinking get patience and confidence, give him some, uh, give him uh, energetic, get the running game going, get the long, uh, downfield passes going, and get this defense fired up and go for Bryce Young, who clearly doesn't have a lot of confidence. If they, don't, if they don't win Thursday night, then they're done for the year. Oh, this, yeah. this, this, this is a game they have to win. He's uh, he's three touchdowns, Bajan. Uh, he's got uh, oh, just under 700 yards passing, three touchdowns, six picks, 52.3 QBR. A um, couple of those picks have been late game kind of garbage picks. It's, it's not exactly no, it's not. high class numbers. It's not. I don't know. I'm gonna check his. I'm gonna check his rushing stats. Um, but again, he's 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 throwing for. He's over sixty percent completion um, completion percentage. He's at sixty. You don't want another problem. Sixty-seven percent. I think the Bears have a coaching problem. I think. Well, it's awful. I think that Eberflus is not that good. You know, you wouldn't want to go get a guy like Peterson. From Philadelphia when he was sitting on. Why would you want a guy like that? That's one Super Bowls. I've argued with Bears fans for for a long, long time that, in my opinion, the last good head coach the Bears had was Lovey Smith. Lovey Smith. When Lovie they let Lovey go, they were still winning. They were ten and six the year Lovey got fired. Ten and six. The the defense. Those players absolutely loved that guy. They loved him. Lovey was a, in my opinion, was a good head coach for the Bears. So I don't know about Caden's complete buy-in on Bajant here, like he's the future of the Bears. But I think ultimately what they're seeing is is that Fields Fields is not the guy that they I would say on. he's your quarterback for the rest of the season. 
Peyton, if he Peyton. just does okay, I think you're right. I think the fields are just going to Well, keep. I think Bage is. But you think Caleb Williams next year, they, he could be a solid backup. But Caleb, Caleb Williams, Williams are starting to see. The question I mean, when you cry to your mom after the game. Oh, take it easy on Caleb. I just don't. I think the Bears, if they do. I mean, let's say the Bears. I think they should do. Get a veteran, sign a veteran quarterback in free agency and shore up your offense and your defense. Don't be taking no flyers on a guy that cries to his mom at USC. He wants to watch. um, He's a talented football player. He's a talented football player. The other thing is, go get an offensive line. You're right, the offensive line is not terrible. What I'm saying is the best teams in football, that's one consistent thing. They all got good offensive lines. Yeah. Philly's got the best in the league. When, and then when you see teams that just can't quite get it done, look at a team like the Dolphins. They don't have it when they need it. Tua gets under pressure too easily, and they can't get it done against the good defenses. It's it's the difference between some of these good teams and some of these great teams. I agree with you. Start rebuilding other areas. Go get yourself a veteran QB, a, 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 a just slightly above, a average to above average guy, move on. I mean, if, if, if you have an offensive line in place and a, and a playbook in place, you should be able to use any kind of quarterback out there to be able to run an offense. I mean, if he's got time to, to go through his reads, he doesn't have to be a superstar. The Bears made it to the Super Bowl with Rex Grossman and, and Kyle Orton. I mean, if that, those guys both stunk. If, if that doesn't tell you that you don't need a quarterback to make it to the Super Bowl, nothing does. No, you're right. You're right. And a lot of guys, I've said it before, and I will. it'll be a future debate topic probably in 2024 when we start doing a monthly debate topic and just, just do a show on it. I think this title town stuff is totally overrated. I think just rating these guys' careers on how many Super Bowls they win or how many championships they win, I think it's nonsense, man, especially in the NFL where you've seen it. You've seen Trent Dilfer get a title. You've seen some of these guys. It's not – no. you, you just Doug can't Williams. say a guy's the best. Bradshaw had four had four uh, yeah. championships. Yeah, he did. Doug Williams and the defense, the defense carried Bradshaw to his four championships. Right. I mean, you look down the list here. I mean, why couldn't the Bears land a guy like Golf? Right? Golf was out there. They could have. Golf was out there. Golf. They were trying to give him away. He wanted Stafford. They were trying. I mean, Golf was just gone. Instead, they trade up and draft guys like Mitch Trubisky. I mean, that's that's the kind of organization that you're dealing with. It makes. Did you really think that somebody was going to steal Mitch Trubisky from you? Geno Smith. Geno Smith. Completely written off. Complete garbage, Geno Smith. Two great years with Seattle. He's doing well. I mean, he's not this year he's, had, he's, he's not doing what he did last year. But again, all you really do need to get is a couple of good seasons out of a guy like that. If you pick up a veteran, if you can get one or two good years out of him, heck, you're, you're in a winning spot there. Minshew, he just floats around, plays backup, gets in and does a decent job. I'm right. not saying these guys are tops. I'm saying oh, he, these are average guys that are floating around. You don't have to pay them top dollar. Yeah. I mean, you, you why not? You don't need you don't need a, a, a superstar quarterback. All right, what do you got, Kate? You going to your next team or are you staying with the Bears here? Are you uh, moving on to a different topic? Yeah, I'll go, I'll go uh, to the next topic. So I'll, I know absolutely nothing about hockey, but I guess I'll say a little bit. Let's keep it short, though. I'm going to start the clock on. <laughs> uh, the Blackhawks, they don't have the best start to the year, but – they do definitely have a really, I mean, the games I've watched has been really little. They got a really good guy, uh, Connor Bernard, 
Oh, uh, he looks like the real deal. Yeah, I know this guy's really young, but the next coming of Wayne Gretzky, this kid, this kid, easy this kid, on the this Gretzky. Kid, this kid's the real deal. Easy this kid on is the real deal, right? Easy here. on the Gretzky. I mean, the way he just goes, good, super, he, he just goes really fast on the ice and just gets the puck really fast. It's just really cool, and the way he attacks the goal, it's really, really He's nice. He's not turning into a hockey fan. I, I'm, I'm with, <laughs> I tell you right now, Caden started it off. I know nothing about hockey. Is he turning well, into I'll tell you what, this kid, I just pulled him up. He's born in 2005. <laughs> this kid was born. He's a kid. He's a kid, man. He's a kid, man, and he is going to be the, it looks like he's going to be the real deal. We'll see. Hey, no better place than in Chicago. I haven't, One seen, of the many original guys, franchises. I haven't seen many guys play hockey like this guy in a long, long time. Pretty cool. Um, I'm glad he's here, man. Is that is that our people? What's the Blackhawks? Are they, like, in the running this year? No, they're in last place right now. They're 4-7. <laughs> but there is some lights. I, there's some momentum. Uh... But I don't see it coming There's this no year. Moment. We, went, we, went to a, we went to a game last year, me and Megan, one Hawks game, and everybody had Bedard, like, taped on the back of their jerseys. Oh. And she's like, who's this Bedard guy? And the guy behind us goes, he's a 17-year-old kid. He's going to be number one pick in the NHL draft next year. And we're going to get him. And, well, and they were hoping they got him, but right. nobody thought the Hawks were going to get the, the number one pick. And then they ended up... Getting lucky and getting the number one pick, and they got him. So how's the hockey you know. draft even work? Is it just worst record? Is it like NFL? No, it, it's got a lot of because I think the Hawks had the third worst record. Oh, did they? They ended up getting him. Gotcha. Like so they, they were in the run. They weren't supposed to get him. I got gotcha. Or they didn't have the highest chance to get him, but they ended up by the luck of the draw getting him. One thing I will say about hockey is that it is fun to watch live. It's a pretty cool experience to go watch hockey. Especially games. when they get to fight. The person, the fight guys, cool. them guys are. Yeah, it's cool. Hockey players are probably the meanest dudes in, in, yeah. in all sports. I mean, those dudes are mean. It's not football. my sport. I don't want to put it down. I don't put down any sport, man. All sports are a grind. They're well, difficult. Hockey is like guy just got killed a couple months ago. Sliced with a skate. Oh, my God. Died. Hey, you remember growing up, like, hockey, the sports center would be on for, like, 50 minutes, and they'd, they'd shoot through the hockey stuff and, like... Three minutes. They'd show them real quick, and we'd be like, ah, oh, you know, it's time to go get cereal or yeah. something. Yeah. Like, yeah. I was in a couple seasons when uh, Patrick Waugh was the uh, goaltender, oh, yeah, go and on. those games were going to game seven. And it was, I remember one year I kind of got into it, and it was really exciting and fun, but just wasn't something that, you know, you got to watch where you invest your time because sports yeah. can yeah. chew away. I, don't, I don't, honestly don't do a lot of college football because how much time do you have? Right. I mean, in life, you can only watch – I stick to the big three. I mean, I just don't have time for the others to track them and understand them and, right. and so forth. Can get to the one that you're really well versed for in. The he Bulls. actually knows the Bulls pretty I've well. watched every single <laughs> game so far about the Bulls. This team can make some noise. I mean, when you look at this, Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan. Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan. I mean... They look scary. I mean, they look like I'm calling. I'm calling it Zach Levine for MVP. I mean, this guy's right. this guy's playing great offense and defense. DeRozan's playing like a good second guy. You got a guy like Kobe White. He's he's running the ball really well. He's playing good point guard, and we got a lot of guys who are playing good offense and good defense um, together. Then we got um, Nikola um, Vucevic. He's solid. He's doing a really good job low down low. He's getting boards. Um, Andre Drummond, this guy's a lot of talent, but he has no idea what he's doing. He's kind of clumsy. 
But um, hey, tell them about Drummond's milestone last night. Yeah, he Drummond. had a he had a got his thousandth rebound. No, 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 ten thousand. Oh, 10,000? Andre 10, Drummond 000? got his 10,000 rebounds. 10,000 rebounds. Yep. He's in, I believe there's maybe 30 guys in league. And Levine, I mean, uh, DeRozan passed uh, Larry Bird for uh, points. I mean, yeah, DeRozan. That, isn't that amazing? That's something, like you mentioned the scoring. That, that you mean, if, I mean, Bird's career was cut pretty short. But I wouldn't have thought that he was already... Uh, yeah. But one guy I can't stand. Yeah. I can't stand one bit. Is Patrick Williams? I cannot stand this guy. This guy was asking for a big contract. The Bulls don't give it to him, and he doesn't even play with a pep in his step. I mean, this guy plays lazy basketball. Who's this? Guy, Patrick Williams. Oh yeah. This guy yeah, got. He the, looked like the next dude too. He has all the talent in the world, and all he does is play lazy. He doesn't. He he doesn't get get aggressive in the paint with with his body. He should. He tries to shoot outside. He's. Solid out there. Nobody gets aggressive in the paint anymore. Yeah, but what is body? I'm gonna ask you guys a question. There I mean, there's are like, three active there's players, players. Three active players that have over ten thousand rebounds. Andre Drummond is one of them, and he's forty seventh all time with uh, ten thousand three rebounds. Now there's two other active players over ten thousand boards. Any guesses? Two active players that are still playing. Caden is correct, and he is the active leader. With 10,726 rebounds, LeBron James is number 34th in the all time. It's, like, it's got to be somebody that's played a long time. The other one that's there. below him is DeAndre Jordan. He's at 10,345. Oh, yeah, if LeBron James, I mean, let's think about this real quick. LeBron's going to play another three seasons. You think he's going to play that much? Oh, yeah. LeBron will play, dude, LeBron's still averaging 25 a game. I mean, LeBron is like, LeBron right. looks great. So he's going to average seven boards a game. Figure he plays 60 games a year. He'll get another 400 boards. He'll get another 1,200 boards. LeBron's going to get to 12,000 rebounds. He's going to be right near Dennis Rodman and Charles Oakley in all-time wow. rebounds. And that's his. That's going to be his lowest thing, because I don't know if you guys know where he sits in terms of assists, but he's top five all-time right now. LeBron James is top five all-time. It's Stockton, Kidd, Paul, LeBron. That's your top four all-time. And Paul's active with him. So he may not catch Paul because Paul's ahead of him and he's still playing. Is he ever? Is he going to catch Stockton? He will not catch Stockton. No one's catching Stockton. He may LeBron if he plays three more seasons. I've looked at this um, in my LeBron goat argument. <laughs> LeBron's got a chance to pass Kid. LeBron. Well, I, what, what's going to give LeBron the longevity? He's obviously going to give him the edge and everything. I mean, the guy's going to end up playing right, 26, 27 years by the time he's, he's done. But I mean. he's doing it while he's still. The key guy on the team. Correct. Right now, as of right now, he's still the key guy. Only, oh, and again, that goes back to what I said earlier. It, he can only continue to do this, in my opinion, because of the way the game's evolved, because of the way the game's changed, because of, there's not so much physicality and stuff in the game anymore. That, don't get me wrong, LeBron, LeBron's one of the best of all time. I, he's I've a big body, a, though. I've never been a huge fan of, of his, but he, you can't argue the guy's one of the, one of the greatest of all time. With, with no question whether I like him or not, that's beside the point. But I think that these game managements and these time off and stuff like that, back in the old days, none of that, that stuff didn't fly. There you went out there, you played 48 minutes a game, 81, 82 games a year, and you didn't, you didn't have, I got to take a day off because my body needs rest or any of that right. stuff. None of that stuff ever existed back then. No, I know. You know? And, and Le LeBron, 
in his the prime of his career really didn't do that. He played, you know, in eighty two game years he was usually playing seventy five to eighty right. games. But it's that layer let me get as he's this. getting older he has to. Yeah, like, you he's have gotta to preserve his body. They, they were they were actually putting him on a twenty nine minute uh, restriction. It lasted one game. <laughs> they play him 29 minutes in the first game of the season. Next game, he plays 40. He has to. They, they can't, can't win. win. They, they can't, can't win. win. And that's sad. That's sad that they can't put together a team that can't win with him playing 30 minutes. But um, I just wanted to make note of this. So we talked about LeBron, an attempt to get to about 12,000 rebounds and probably what will end up being a 23, 24-year career, playing like consistently all the way through. Uh, will Chamberlain's career rebounding total, 23,000. 924 rebounds. Kaden, LeBron, 23 seasons, basically 23 seasons at seven rebounds a game is going to put him in the range. He's still going to be 11,000 behind Wilt. He's just halfway to Wilt. (laughs) Wilt Chamberlain, total rebounds were 23,924 rebounds. When we do a debate later, we're going to have the GOAT discussion, and Wilt Chamberlain is going to be in that discussion. It's just ridiculous. No question about guy it. Guy averaged over twenty rebounds a game for his whole career. To, to me, to me, the goat argument begins and ends with Will Chamberlain. He's the best of all time. Here, here's some guys, and we'll we'll have that conversation. Here's some guys in the top ten. I'll just give you the top ten. KG's number ten. Kevin Garnett. Garnett. Garnett is number ten. Wow. Fourteen six sixty two. Then you go to the Chief Robert Parrish at nine. The Chief. The Chief. Fourteen seven fifteen. Malone, number eight, at 14,968. Number seven, Tim Duncan, over 15,000 rebounds. After Duncan, Elvin Hayes, then you get to the old-timers. Elvin Hayes at six, Artis Gilmore at five, Kareem at four, Moses Malone, three, Bill Russell, Bill Russell two. two. Bill Russell was 21,620. Still 2,400 rebounds behind Will. I mean, he was seasons behind them. So. <laughs> So, I mean, and he played a lot more. But I mean, Abdul Jabbar played way more. You're, you're talking about a guy, the only guy in NBA history to go 30 20 first career. Just, that's his average. 30 20 first career. I mean, you know as well as I do, one season he averaged 55 a game, and one and a separate. It might have been the same season that he averaged 27 boards. You know, I think the 55 year. 50.4 average. Oh, 50, I'm sorry. 50.4. And I think he was in the 24. Plus rebound. Twenty four at point seven. Twenty four. It wasn't his twenty seven year, but he had a twenty seven. But twenty seven rebounds. A guy gets twenty seven rebounds oh. today in a basketball game. Oh my God! This guy got twenty seven rebounds. Chamberlain averaged twenty every game. He went out on the floor every game. It's unreal. How many assists did Chamberlain have? He. I, I looked up that before, and I don't have it in front of me right now. But he was somewhere near. Um, he was over the 4, top fifty. No, he wasn't. But he. He was. He was over four thousand. He had a lot. I mean, but not. He wasn't at that. He wasn't at that level. Caden, okay. close us out with the Bulls, man. Sorry, we get About sad. Time. Hey, man, we like to talk numbers here, dude. We like to talk numbers. People like talking about numbers. Go ahead, dude. Hit Ready? Us. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, okay. Um. So as I was Someone's saying, for the Chicago sports corner. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, Patrick Williams. This is this is the guy. I mean, we got for a starting lineup: Demar Derozan, uh, Kobe White. Um, Vucevic and uh, Levine, and it was supposed to be Patrick Williams. That was supposed to be our uh, lineup, unless Lonzo's in there. He's out for the year, though. And Williams really hasn't earned that, so they're putting in Torrey Craig. Don't get me wrong, Torrey Craig, he's playing really hard, but he's just not getting it done. So right now, Patrick, Patrick Williams, he's getting it done, but to be honest, 
there's one guy that I personally really like. And when you look at the stat sheet, you don't you don't know this guy. He just guys just blends in with normal people. But this guy, when you watch him, this guy plays the hardest hardest basketball on the court. This guy's the best three point shooter on the team right now. And he plays and he he's arguably one of the best players on his team. Javon Carter. I mean, this guy only plays seventeen minutes a game, but he but this guy plays extremely hard. He creates turnovers. He drives to the basket. He is the hardest soul of this team. And this guy is really tough. If I'm Billy Donovan, I know Craig is a bigger body than Williams, but this is a guy that's going to be consistent for you. Javon Carter, put him in, in the starting lineup. Or Caruso. I mean, these bench players are giving you solid minutes. Io coming back, drumming, doing solid minutes. And, um,. You know, everyone piecing in. But one thing I've known I took away from this Bulls team so far is they're in every game. I mean, they've been every game coming down to two minutes. Um, I think the only one has been the Nuggets. I mean, the Nuggets are just a different level against us, which is not bad. They're just really, how, really good. How does my it's NBA easy. prediction of the yeah. Dallas Mavericks look so Easy. Far? Eight games. The Dallas Mavericks. They're six and two. The As I was saying, uh, we were in it the first half against the Nuggets, but then the second half they really pulled away. But I think the question is against good teams. We play the Suns tomorrow. Um, You're dead. Against no, no, you're not. <laughs> how can they fight from adversity? You know, how can they when something's not going their way? Because I know with with um, with momentum and when they when things go good, they keep it that way and. They uh you they choose they use that momentum and really that's what they did to Jazz when they got the momentum they blew it out. But can they do the question is can they do that um against good defenses throughout and play four quarters of, of consistent uh heads up basketball and when things are not going their way maybe maybe they're playing uh sloppy basketball for a couple possessions can they call timeout can they regroup can they take a deep breath and they can can they stay in the game and play consistent basketball for four quarters. I know they can for two, but I'm not sure if they can for four. Let's see. Yeah, I think that's correct. Caden, some really good feedback on the Bulls, man. Appreciate that. This is what when you watch the games, like I watch them, watch, when you actually watch the games, your level of feedback and knowledge that you can give on a pod or whatever is really. It, it, I have no feedback on the Bulls at all. He <laughs> watched them, watch them, watch them. You know, that, the Lakers missed that Caruso guy. That dude was a hard nosed defender. I'm telling you, Javon Carter a good pickup is that, the best, was, is the hardest player on the Bulls. Another, right. another thing. Look him up. How many black shots for Big Will? I'll jump to it. First, hey, we're going to close this out with some statistics and then we'll call it a night. But I did jump to Wilt's assist. He he had six or he had four thousand six hundred and forty three. He's 84th all time in assists. That's quite a few for a big man. To give people a little context there, Michael Jordan's all time assists were five thousand six hundred and thirty three. So Chamberlain had more. No, no, Jordan had more. Jordan was five thousand six hundred and thirty three. Chamberlain was four thousand. Right behind Michael Jordan on the all time list. This surprised me. Allen Iverson. Michael Jordan had 5,633 assists, and Allen Everson had 5,624. Wow. Right there. Another surprise here. Your top 10, of your top 10 all-time assists, guys, three of them are playing right now. Number nine is Russell Westbrook with 9,201. Number four is LeBron James with 10,461. At number three is Chris Paul with 11,560. How many did Stockton end up? Oh, God. John Stockton. 15,806 assists. 
uncatchable. And Jason Kidd second. Jason Kidd second at twelve thousand ninety one. Paul likely that Paul and LeBron probably get to him. LeBron's gonna get close. But they're not gonna Paul, touch Stockton. No, oh god, they'd have to. LeBron have to play till he's fifty. I mean, Stockton, 15, almost 16,000 assists, unheard of. Some other interesting names here. Harden at 20 with 7,021. Uh, Kyle Lowry, 24th with 6783. Um, your guy Rondo uh, retired with 7,584. He was 14th on the list. So some interesting stuff there. Uh, Kobe Bryant, 6,306. So he had more than Jordan in his career. Um, obviously, that's Jordan's. 13 seasons. I think Kobe was 17 or 18. Yeah. But, again, you figure you start talking five assists a game over a 20-year career, you're going to start getting them up there. But just a symbol of consistency of LeBron James across the, the most important statistics in basketball. Points, rebounds, and assists are the three most important stats. And when you're consistent in a 20-year career, you're going to be at the top of all of them, and that's pretty much where he is. I'll give you Chamberlain's blocks. I just got to pull it real quick because blocks are like – were they even tracking blocks at the beginning? I don't know of if they've got all of his blocks. Yeah, I don't know if they do either. Let me check basketball reference. Here's your uh, career blocks, guys. There's nobody in the top ten actively playing right now. Um, your number one. Oh no, they weren't. They definitely weren't because your number one all-time block guy of all time, Hakeem. I was going to say is Dikembe Mutombo. Mutombo second. Okay. Uh, I was going to say Mutombo should be up there. Kareem is third, but there's asterisks on here, so this has got to have to do with. When he, when he was playing, yeah, probably. Maybe, yeah, it has to. Because where's Chamberlain rank on here? Is he even on there? I don't even think he's on here. Wow. I don't see it, yeah. Blocks must not have been a stance then when he played. Yeah, I, I don't see him. I'm trying to see what this asterisk means on this basketball reference here. But, yeah, this so blocks are no – blocks really can't even be talked about, essentially, because of the uh, – some of the He did have a quintuple double, though. <laughs> I know. I've seen the the uh, snapshot, the screenshot of that, which is just unreal. Only guy ever to have a quintuple double. Hakeem had a quadruple double. Hakeem was the only guy with Chamberlain to have a quadruple double. How many quadruples did Chamberlain have? I don't know. I don't know the number to that. Well, we're all right. We're getting crazy. We're getting down a stat hole here. So we enjoyed being with you guys tonight. Remember to like us, follow us on Spotify and Apple, wherever you get your pods. Thank you so much for being with us tonight. We'll see you on the next one. Have a great night.